You are listening to Grab Them by the Pod, a member of the Ace Podcast Network. joining us once again here at Grab Them by the Pod for this, our 40th episode of what we love to bring to you on a somewhat regular basis, our political discussion of what's in the news and all things President Trump. And do we have some exciting news for you this evening? Kevin, do you believe in miracles? I believe in statistical improbabilities. <laughs> yes. Last night, the people of Alabama elected Democrat Doug Jones over Republican Roy Moore. Jones won by about one and a half percent. I guess that's Still fluctuating because uh, Roy Moore wants a recap, but we'll get to that a little later on. This is the first time Alabama has had a Democratic senator since 1994 when current Senator Richard Shelby switched parties. It's a big deal. Yeah, it is. And he, he won by roughly 20,000 votes. And that's a statistical landslide for a Democrat in such a deeply red state as Alabama. This is a big loss for Donald Trump, a big loss for Steve Bannon, actually a weird win for Mitch McConnell because Steve Steve Bannon declared war on the Republican establishment, and Steve Bannon lost, so it's not looking good for him. Not at all, but it's looking very good for human decency. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, at the time that we're recording this, uh, Bannon – excuse me, Moore still hasn't conceded. He wants a recount. Uh, it's not going to happen, though, because in Alabama, a recount's only triggered when there's a difference between 0.5% uh, and there's much more than that. So he may want a recount, but it's not going to happen. There's no reason that the attorney general says uh, he would be extremely surprised – if Jones is not the next senator. So it, it's not going to happen. Um, the win by Jones will put the uh, GOP at having a, a very, even smaller advantage in the Senate, 5149. Uh, and the question is, what does this mean for 2018? I mean, yes, Moore was a historically bad candidate, but a Democratic win, like you said, in, in the Senate in Alabama, I mean, that, if a Democrat can win in Alabama, they can win anywhere. Does that mean a blue wave is coming in this next year? Well, that's yet to be seen, but perhaps it does. What it certainly does mean, Jess, is that the Senate is in play in 2018. You know, if such a deep red state like Alabama can flip, then really any state can flip. They've got to keep all of their seats. They've got to win Nevada and they've got to win New Mexico or Arizona, I think. And uh, ne neither of those is, you know, cr a crazy thing to think of. So it could happen. Um, I mean, heck, Jeff Flake, who's leaving Senate, sent 100 bucks to Doug Jones and he's a Republican. So, you know, in this crazy age, uh, we just don't know what to expect. Um, although, and speaking of not knowing what to expect, I was actually surprised after the election, uh, Trump tweeted out. I don't want to say it was uh, normal, but it certainly wasn't as crazy as uh, some of the things he tweeted. He tweeted out, congratulations to Doug Jones on a hard-fought victory. The write-in votes played a very big factor, but a win is a win. The people of Alabama are great. The Republicans will have another shot at the seat in a very short period. It never ends. Part of me thinks he didn't actually write that. It just seems too low-key. Well, it still throws shade, though. And even when it is somewhat well put together, he still can't ever just congratulate somebody. He's always got to throw something in there. Well, the writing votes played a very big. <laughs> just say, you know, congratulations, Mr. Jones. Or just don't say anything. Just, you know, silence is a virtue. 
Uh, and this morning he tweeted again, you know, the reason I originally endorsed Luther Strange is that I said Roy Moore would not be able to win the general election. I was right. Roy worked hard, but the deck was stacked against him. Yeah, having numerous allegations of sexual misconduct, misconduct uh, tends to stack the deck against you. But let's look at this. Trump endorsed a guy, Luther Strange, who couldn't win the primary. Then he endorsed a guy who couldn't win the general. I mean, this is, these are big L's for the president. Uh, he won't take. He won't say. It. He'll make excuses. Uh, but the uh, the shine is off the Trump endorsement right now. It really is. And, you know, again, this morning he was back at it. You know, he can do no wrong. He I endorsed Luther Strange to begin with. Yeah, well, he's a loser, too. You endorsed all these losers. And really, you should take a lesson from Roy Moore. What hurt him were these accusations of sexual misconduct. You know, Donald Trump has 15 accusations against him right now, seven of which, according to CNN, have actually, you know, bear some credibility that these women have spent time with him. He's claimed that he hasn't even met these women before, but they <laughs> have done the research and proven that seven at least out of the 15 have spent some amount of time with the president. If you look at the exit polls, the people who voted for Roy Moore don't believe the allegations against him and the people who voted against him do. It's, it's just as simple as that. Um, African-American vote was huge, particularly the African-American woman vote. Uh, I believe educated, college-educated um, white men went strongly for uh, for more. So uh, it, it's really still a divide in this, in this state, although uh, the other thing that came out in the exit polls was uh, Trump is still relatively not popular in Alabama. And if you're not popular in Alabama, what does that say about things like places like Michigan, places like Ohio, like Pennsylvania, uh, that he needs to win in 2020? Uh, it's, it's a long way away, so I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Uh, but it's not looking good as of right now, especially if they're going to jam down a tax bill down our throats that nobody likes. Well, and, and to bring it back to Al the Alabama vote for a minute, the you mentioned uh, how college-educated white men still voted for more. The new values voter, according to CNN religion editor Daniel Burke, is the African-American female. Um, you know, eight out of ten white evangelicals still voted for more, but 98 percent of African-American women voted for Jones. So that, as you said, this really uh, was something that helped put him over the top in this election. And it's interesting. I mean, I think it has to do with who Roy Moore is, um, you know, obviously as a person, because oftentimes there's been a historical um, uh, background of African-American voters sometimes voting very religiously, too. But uh, if you look at Roy Moore, uh, people don't think he backs African-Americans, don't think he backs Jews. I mean, his wife the other day when was you know, criticized that, that we don't have any Jewish friends. Our lawyer is Jewish. I mean, first of all, you're pushing a stereotype there, and having a guy who works for you, it's like saying, I'm not a racist, I have, I have a black I have friend. Black friends. Yeah, no, no, it's it, it's just really ridiculous. I mean, Charles Barkley, who was out there stumping for Doug Jones, really said it best. He said to the crowd, we've got to, at some point, stop looking like the idiots to the, of the nation or to the nation. And, yeah, I don't want to put down any of our Alabama listeners, but he was right when he said that. And, they, I mean, the number of people who you know, said they they – got their faith in humanity back or, or they're so, you know, they're so happy that they believe in, in this country again. Uh, it was really shocking just how many people on Twitter, on Facebook were saying that. So, I mean, the entire country was watching, the entire world may have been watching for all we know. And finally we're fighting back against the hatred, the bigotry and just the plain old meanness that's happened in the last year to year and a half. Yeah. Barkley did point out that, you know, although there are, you know, a number of redneck circles in Alabama that, the state is mostly full of good people, and, and that certainly uh, showed to be true 
yesterday evening. Although, what do you think? Some Democrats actually wanted more to win because if more wins, it's just they can keep hitting on that for the next year and it makes them even better going into 2018. I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but just like they needed a winning. Yeah, yes, they won in Virginia, they won in New Jersey, uh, but this is one of those, they, they needed the W. Um, Trump would not have stopped boasting about how he got this guy elected. We'd never hear the end of it about how it's so great. Uh, but instead, Liberal Jones won the the, the puppet of Sh- the Schumer Pelosi puppet won, and he has to deal with that. Well, it certainly makes up for uh, you know John Ossoff's narrow loss in the Georgia yeah. congressional election. This one more than makes up for that. Yeah, it's. I will admit that when I was watching the early returns, and it looked as if Roy Moore might uh, mm-hmm. win this, that was my solace. That well, you know what? We'll use this in 2018. You know, like, look, the the Republicans have forfeited the moral high ground. They've elected a pedophile to the Senate, and let's use that against them to gain back Democratic seats. But I will gladly, as will most any Democrat I know, will gladly take this one uh, for the team. And I've heard a lot of people saying, you know, uh, he'll be there for a couple years, and then come the next election, Doug Jones will lose to Republican. What if Roy Moore runs again and somehow gets a nomination again? We could be dealing with this nonsense all over again in a couple of years. Uh, I don't know if they would if they would let that happen, but you know, nothing's nothing's impossible these days. Can he just ride off into the sunset on his horse? On his horse. Oh, I, I wish. I mean, everybody's just so sick of hearing him. I, I mean, it's. Again, I don't like to make things personal, but God, some of the comments he makes is so disgusting. I think it was his campaign manager or someone on his, on his team was on CNN. And they were talking, I don't know if it was Chris Cuomo he was talking to, um, but they were saying about, you know, some of the things that Roy Moore said on, on Muslims. And the, the campaign manager was like, well, you know, the Muslim couldn't serve in Congress because you have to uh, be sworn in on a Bible. And the host was like, oh, no, it doesn't have to be a Bible. I mean, Jews use like an Old Testament version. A Muslim can use a Quran. And the guy said, no, no, it has to be the, the like, Christian Bible. And like, no, it doesn't. And then he just sat there in silence staring at the screen for like 10 seconds because I think he didn't know what to say. It was actually pretty You funny. can swear in on a dictionary or a Dr. Seuss yeah. book. It is not religious yeah. in nature at all. And if you look at any of these in the Constitution, uh, for example, the oath of office doesn't mention God's name anywhere. Those were precedents that were added by people in those offices over the years. So legally, there's nothing that says you have to swear in on a Bible. And clearly this, this whoever he was, manager, campaign, what have you, did not know that. And, you know, it speaks to the lack of education. You know, they, they sometimes say we're in our liberal bubble. They're in their own bubble. Everybody's in their own bubble to a certain degree. Um, I want to point out, because if Moore had won, there was a big talk. Would they have seated him? I think they probably would have. Sure, they were going to war against Mitch McConnell, but in the end, McConnell probably would have just taken one on the chin. Um, back in 1999, during the whole uh, Clinton impeachment hearing um, fiasco, uh, Mitch McConnell was on the floor talking about how he and the GOP handled former Senator Bob Packwood, who I believe was a former Senate Finance Committee when I worked there. He wasn't there when I was there, but I think I saw his nameplate somewhere. I almost stole it just for, for you know posterity. But anyways, uh, Packwood resigned in 1995 uh, under threat of expulsion. from. He basically resigned before they were going to kick him out. Um, there were uh, allegations of sexual harassment, abuse, assault, all these things. And uh, trying to show how they had the moral high ground during the Clinton impeachment hearings, McConnell said, we Republicans were aware during the Packwood debate that we would likely lose that Senate seat if Senator Packwood was removed from office. So we had a choice, 
retain the Senate seat or retain our honor. We chose honor and never looked back. That's the, the GOP has to take that stance once more. Both sides really do. Um, you know, you got to be able to look at yourself in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror in the morning. You got to be able to look at your children. Um, you got to be able to tell them, you know, I'm, I, this person's on my side. I got rid of them because they're not good. You know, what happened in the last 20 years, you know, standing up for what is right surmounts being right, you know, and had getting your way all the time. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just sad. And uh, you know, we've been talking on this podcast a lot about what's happening in this country now. Look at the cover of Time Magazine and Time Person of the Years, the hashtag Me Too movement, the, the people who are speaking up. Uh, we've talked about this with Al Franken, with John Conyers. And you think with this current environment, the atmosphere out there, that maybe the president uh, would watch what they say, especially when they're being accused by many women of uh, doing things themselves. No, no, not not this president. Uh, Tuesday morning, Trump tweeted out to Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, she's a Democrat from New York, lightweight Senator uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, a total funky for Chuck Schumer and someone who would come to my office begging for campaign contributions not so long ago and would do anything for them, is now in the ring fighting against Trump. Uh, First so of all, don't refer to yourself in the third person. Yeah, it's 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 not good. Um, you know, Trump is pissed off because uh, Christian Gillibrand is uh, basically saying the president should resign over what we just mentioned, the sexual misconduct allegations that have been made against him. She went after someone in her own party, Al Franken, too. And, uh, you know, this is all happening because the president's accusers have come back in the spotlight. They hosted a press conference recently where they talked about his behavior. Um, but come on. What, what what does that mean? Look at that tweet. Let's, let's roll things back here. He said that she would come to his office begging for campaign, for campaign contributions and would do anything for them. Uh, we all know what he's insinuating there. Well, Sir Huckabee Sanders says that there's no sexual innuendo there and that it only appears so if your, quote-unquote, mind is in the gutter. Last week, I had my rant, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders was heavily involved in that. And this is very much the reason why. She, at this point in this country, we are stopping this behavior. We are going against people who demean, demean others, especially when they're in a position of power, um, whether it has to be with their, their sex, their religion, their sexual orientation, and that stuff. And here she is. She's an apologist for a guy demeaning a woman. And basically, as, as Senator Elizabeth Warren said, he slut-shamed her and acted like – you know, she would come and perform sexual favors to get what she wanted from him. Um, your mind doesn't have to be in the gutter. This president's mind is in the gutter, and we have to meet him down there uh, to really understand what's going on. Well, I don't think you're the only one that's reading this into what was said, you know, uh, regardless of what Sarah Huckabee Sanders said. I mean, that was how I took it. And given the current climate, as you said, Jess, I mean, you'd think he'd be a little bit more cognizant of what he's saying and how it might be perceived, but – then again, that would be giving him too much credit, as we've learned. And, and there are supporters out there who probably love it when he does this stuff. Um, but it's it's just disturbing and, I, frankly, disgusting um, to do this. I, it would be worse. It's bad enough when it's just any woman in general. But this is a, someone who's supposed to be his peer. I mean, it's you know, he's the executive branch. This is the legislative branch. And he's just demeaning her this way. It's just it's just sad. And, you know. Sad. Sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, things didn't stop there with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She then went to war with the media, with the press. Uh, on Monday, 
she accused the media of purposely spreading uh, false information against Trump. I mean, I'm going to paraphrase her rant, which said, there's a very big difference between making honest mistakes and purposely misleading the American people, uh, something that happens regularly. You can't say that it's an honest mistake when you are purposely putting out information that you know to be false or when you t- are taking information that hasn't been validated, that hasn't been offered any credibility, and that has been continually denied by a number of people, including people with direct knowledge of the incident. To be fair... Let's be fair. Uh, there have been several uh, mistakes made by the members of the media in recent weeks. Uh, to my knowledge, everybody has retracted uh, or updated or, or corrected uh, what they said. Compare that to the White House, who, as I again ranted about last week, supports propaganda, supports false information. I don't understand how the White House has a leg to stand on here. I am pretty sure she was actually talking about herself. With that comment, really, it's again. You know, I, I miss the days of spicy. They seem so innocent now. You know, when you look back, things could never get worse. Oh no, they can. By the way, Spicy's going to be writing a book, apparently, bashing the media. Uh, that'll be interesting to read, I suppose. Be a uh, good Hanukkah present for you. <laughs> yes, next year you can get that for me. <laughs> um, and again, San- as is par for the course with this uh, administration, Sanders can't offer any any evidence. You know, she she throws things out there, but it it's not true. I mean, she she's trying to throw out Brian Ross from ABC News. Uh, the day of the Flynn plea, uh, he cited a single source that said Mike Flynn was prepared to testify against uh, Donald Trump when he was a candidate. Uh, it turns out he was wrong with the timing, and he, he a couple hours later he updated saying, and you know, it wasn't be, we're like, oh my God, this is the end, and then it turns out, oh, maybe it's not. Um, but he corrected. It. I mean, there would be nothing behind him purposely lying because he was suspended for it and he made a mistake. Um, I, I don't understand how screwing up is seen as purposely going out against the president, especially when it affects their livelihood and their credibility. Well, this is what happens in the cutthroat world of 24-hour news cycles. You know, you you don't have the time to check your sources as thoroughly as we did 40 years ago, you know, the Cronkites and, and those people of that ilk, you know, they were much more credible because they didn't have to produce something every 15 seconds to be put on the air. You're going to be the first person to get it out. If you don't do it now, someone else will, and they'll scoop you. And you'll lose your ratings, and then you'll lose your job. So it's while we want credible sources, and, and certainly we don't want to tolerate these types of major mistakes, we can understand them. And certainly if these reporters are retracting them and, and giving their mea culpa, then you know, we understand the nature of the beast and we give them a second chance. You know, Trump, Trump will just put out you – know, just because I uh, told Kim Jong-un I want to start a fight with him doesn't mean you shouldn't be covering my failed tax you – know, like, he gets mad that we're not covering the good things, but he's acting like a lunatic. So it's, again, it's the same argument we've been having since this podcast began that uh, he's trying to play the media and play the American people. But I think to a certain degree we're catching on. It's the same thing we saw in the Alabama Senate race. And uh, people are seeing what he's doing for what it is. And uh, the White House doesn't necessarily know what to do, so they're going to start attacking the media. Diversionary politics, once again, from the president. Well, three more years or so. Or sooner. We'll see. Uh, So... Uh, finally, I want to talk about, you know, in recent weeks, we mentioned this again a couple, a couple minutes ago that we've seen Franken go, we've seen John Connors go. The Democrats have really been pushing uh, their own people out, uh, but the GOP doesn't seem to be holding 
you know, they're guys of the same standards. I mean, sure, uh, Arizona Representative Trent Franks resigned recently because allegations came out that he approached two female staffers about acting as potential surrogates for him and his wife. But the staffers thought he meant like, you know, doing it the old fashioned way. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And, uh... <laughs> you know, uh, Jesse, you're a fan of the show. Shameless. Yes. Certain episode comes to mind uh, immediately. In that yes, episode. yes. Get the sheet, you know, if you, you know what I'm saying. I was talking to a colleague today. I'm like, he was, he's actually a town council member in another uh, town here in Connecticut. And I, God, I, I never feel as normal as I do when I see what some of these lunatics do. Like, who thinks, hey, you work for me. Do you want to be a surrogate for me and my wife? I'm, I'm sure there'll be no problem asking you that. Uh, it's it's so insane. Anyways, he, he resigns. That's one of the GOP people have gone up, but he, he kind of couldn't, he, he had no other option. Um, but, and we had Roy Moore Law, so that's good. Uh, but now we have Representative Blake Farinold. He's a Republican from Texas. He's on the hot seat. People are upset, and, and I think they should be. Um, that he used taxpayer funds in 2014 uh, to settle a lawsuit with his communications director, Lauren Green. Uh, he gave her $84,000 of taxpayer money because he harassed her. I mean, what? What? <laughs> well, and, and we saw in last week, or we talked about John Conyers, who had to pay money out of his congressional funds to basically stop people from talking. Mm -hmm. And now he has taken the step of resigning. So one would expect that across the aisle, the Republican Farenthold would do the same thing. You'd think, but he's following the Roy Moore plan where you just don't admit anything, you don't say anything, and you just try to ride it out, which actually, when you're elected official, probably isn't the worst case. You, know, you just hope the next scandal will pop up. But a report of the Washington Post and New York Times are working to expose like 20 to 30 other members. And... If we don't see 20, 30 members resigning, aren't you pissed if you're like Franken or something? If you're one of the first people that was singled out, you got to resign and suddenly everybody else says screw or staying in here? Yeah. Don't! I jumped the gun! Uh, actually, one of the things I love is that so the guy would drink too much, but apparently Farenthold is like a big fan of the redhead. He loves those Irish ladies. And these the staffers say they were on redhead patrol for him. Oh, man. I, I've worked in congressional offices. I've never seen anything like this, but... Uh, Guess I must question have been working is, in the wrong office. Question is, Jess, Redhead Patrol, does that mean that they were trying to keep him away from the Redheads, or were they trying to lure them in? I think keeping him away. Well, at first I thought maybe Farenthold was Redhead and they were like watching him, but I think I was, I, I wasn't, it wasn't clear from the article, at least the one that I read. Um, maybe nothing wrong with Redheads. I, I, I love women of all, of all colors, whether it's blonde, brunette, Redhead. Brown hair. How do you feel about crazy colors? Blue, pink, green. I couldn't. You know, my dad. I, I was raised in a very, very, you know, accepting household. My dad can't handle girls with a like, colored hair. Like I'll be out with him, and be like, "Look at this girl with blue hair. What the hell is that all about?" I'm like, "Oh God, you're you're such an old curmudgeon." You know, it, for some reason, it's the weird hair colors is that the one thing that drives him nuts. I don't know. It's it's expression. Yeah. Well, I remember when I was in summer camp once, uh, we were out somewhere and we just read an article about how people were using Kool-Aid on their hair. And we saw someone with red hair and we asked if they put Kool-Aid in it. They did not like us because of that. But, oh, well. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see what happens with Farron. We'll see. I mean, hell, by next week or next episode, uh, I think we'll get another episode in before the end of the year, at least, if not two. Uh, we'll see if anybody else is accused or resigns or gets in trouble. I mean, happy holidays. You're in trouble. <laughs> 
<laughs> Good Lord, if Ted Kennedy were still alive. Oh, oh seriously. Be- even John F. Kennedy, people like rose-colored glasses. Kennedy was doing all this stuff. I mean, you think what Clinton was doing bad in the, in the Oval Office? God knows what those Kennedys did in their heyday. Well, Warren Harding fathered an illegitimate child in the White House. What does the G stand for? Uh, uh, good time? I don't know. Must be. All right, what do you got for Kevin's Corner? Well, Jess, score a victory for human decency this week. The state of Alabama redeemed itself with the election of Doug Jones over accused pedophile Roy Moore, who, aside from his penchant for young girls, was also known to ignore the Constitution in his time as a state Supreme Court justice. While Moore still received over 600,000 votes, the more ethical and moral elements of the state, known for being on the wrong side of history, came through to restore a little faith in the people of the American South. With Doug Jones in office, let us hope that some bipartisanship may be achieved as we move forward into a brand new year. We must not continue to give in to the divisive partisanship that has plagued our nation for far too long now. Very nice, Kevin. It's uh, it's very rare that we have an episode where we have a very happy story. At least we had one this episode, so uh, I'm hoping that's a trend. You know, may- I've... I've- Talked to a number of people in the last 24 hours about, you know, watching those election returns come in. And a lot of them had said to me, you know, it was like watching the election last year. We were kind of with bated breath on the edge of our seats <laughs> watching these results come in. Except the outcome was a lot different. I've spent the last two days after election laying on my couch depressed. Let's hope 2018 breaks that trend, please. All right, Kev, uh, it's been fun. We'll, we'll get through this week, and we'll be back hopefully next week with another episode. So uh, remember to go to our website at grabthembythepod.com for all of our good stuff. And uh, until next week, we'll see you. Later. Later.